Hey everybody, I'm out here today recording some videos for NHCS TV. Um, when I grew up, uh, I always grew up watching um, MTV Cribs, so I figured I'd give you a special edition of NHCS um, Studio Pads. So um, I'll show you what I'm working with during this quarantine, uh, state-of-the-art outdoor recording studio where I record all my videos uh, for class and for NHCS TV. So uh, the first piece of equipment couldn't make be possible without my state-of-the-art golf cart there. Uh, it's the Bunger Buggy. It's named after my dad, Bunger, going full Robco with that middle name of his. Uh, then we have a state-of-the-art camera, which is a school-issued iPad 2. Um, it is being propped up, not by a camera quarter holder, but, um, or a tripod, but instead by the golf cart and basket full of baseballs. All right. And then we have the sound system that makes all the things possible with the dancing and stuff that we do. And it's state of the art sound system. All right. My little ion blocker. Uh, then we have our Red Sox cup of coffee, um, Depending on what we're doing, we might have to use our yoga mat. We have our exercise dice and got all my core words that I use for my school. We hang the core words up with the little uh, card holder and we attach it to state-of-the-art holder there, which is a soccer net. So, uh, you know, this is my little recording studio. Um, glad you've been able to experience a little piece of what I've been using to make this whole quarantine digital teaching stuff happen so hope everybody's doing good out there take care hello and welcome to moments of inspiration a podcast for educators by educators with the purpose of sharing what's right in the world for a change so buckle up and come take a journey with us, because no matter where you are, we're on this road together. What you heard at the beginning is the audio from a video posted on Facebook by Chris Walters, PE teacher at Parsley Elementary School in Wilmington, North Carolina as he describes his setup for filming classes in the style of MTV Cribs from back in the day. While watching the video, I had a realization. I think sometimes teachers don't get enough credit for just how innovative they are in their thinking. From the beginning of this COVID-19 situation, educators have been faced with a multitude of obstacles to overcome. And, for the most part, overcome them they have. I always say that what others refer to as roadblocks to getting things done are instead simply speed bumps. They may slow us down, but with a little bit of effort and a good head of steam, we can always get over them. Today, we get to hear from two elementary educators from Wilmington, North Carolina, as they share how they have navigated over the speed bumps they've faced in teaching this new way. Because of their love for their students, and their desire to keep them active and learning. They are truly making it work and doing some amazing things. Our first guest is elementary PE teacher Chris Walters. Chris, why don't you take a second and introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about what you faced when this whole thing started back in the spring. All right, so my name is uh, Chris Walters. I'm the PE teacher at Parsley Elementary School in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. 
And um, throughout this whole process, you know, it kind of the way it all started, we were going to be back in two weeks. So, um, you know, those first two weeks, you know, it was kind of a little struggle, you know, how am I going to teach PE online? So the first couple of weeks, I just wanted my kids to still be active. Um, I didn't want them sitting in front of a screen the entire day. I wanted them up and moving. So I gave a list of daily activities. It's a drop everything and move activities is what we had. So there was a list of activities for each day. And it was kind of family oriented. I know with me having four kids at home, you know, that's an opportunity, especially those first couple of weeks to where everything kind of slowed down a little bit. And we were able to have family time that we weren't able to have because of school activities and extracurricular stuff. So having something that's family oriented to get the whole family outside, get the whole family moving and, you know, just something real easy for them to participate in. So Chris, would you mind sharing with us what those lessons looked like, how you got them up and moving away from the screen, what sort of things you had them doing? I wanted to keep all my routines kind of similar to what I did in the classroom to give the students that little bit of normalcy. So I would have my warm-up activity that we would do and we would roll dice. I would video myself rolling dice and we would do the exercise just like we do in class. We recite in core words. So I'd have my warm-up piece that would last maybe five, eight minutes. And then I would have an activity for them to do. Still kind of family-oriented where if the family wanted to jump into it, we could. But we did um, sock bocce. We did um, some frisbee throwing. We've done a lot of stuff to where just stuff that they had around home that they could use to get outside and to be active. Now, were you doing this synchronously, like with individual classes in a live fashion? Or were you filming it and then letting them do it on their own? I was filming it and posting it online to my school website because I know everybody can't come in all at the same time. And that's what my specials team came up with as a group so that we would all be united in what we're all doing. Grades K2, I'm using Seesaw so the kids can do videos or whatever they're working on and they can upload it through Seesaw and I can give feedback that way. And then my three, five students, we use Google Classroom there again, where they can parents, whatever video, send it in. I can offer some sort of feedback, check in with them. I'd give them what feedback I could, but I'm always checking in. Hey, make sure you're staying active. I hope you and your family are doing well. So just making sure that everybody's being safe and being good during this time. So one thing I loved that we can't really capture on a podcast, but if you would talk about how you walk through your cribs, uh, <laughs> video kind of your whole setup so that's one thing like if you can the the way that you talk through it was really perfect you know that you had these things that replicated uh what you do usually in gym so can you talk through your setup yeah so my setup was you know in my backyard and you don't you get to see me in the videos or whatever doing it but you don't get to see how i have everything and how everything's brought together so i have my I call it my bunger buggy. It's my uh, golf cart. That is my main prop. And I have my iPad fashioned somehow inside the um, golf cart held up by a crate of baseballs. And that's what's my camera. But then I have my radio over on one side. I have my cup of coffee. I have all my stuff that I'm going to be using for class that day. The dice, the core word sheet, all that's just piled up on top of my golf cart. So I have everything there going through and recording and as I need it, you know, I'm going through taking 20 takes. I mean, if you could see the outtakes that I'm taking and I should have started a clip to where I can <laughs> all my outburps or um, my bloopers or whatnot, but, um, because I have to record it like 20 times before I go, but you know, my core words, you know, I'm usually hanging it up on um, my whiteboard in my classroom, but 
here I'm using my daughter's soccer goal. Um, so it was, I have to be a little creative with how I create my studio. And what I was actually doing that day is outside of my regular classroom stuff that I'm doing for my kids at Parsley, New Hanover County has a TV station and they run it on Spectrum Channel 5 over Roku and then they also live stream it. So once we knew we were going to be out, they um, were put in grade levels and they were trying to get all the grade levels in there so that they could have some instruction to everybody. Maybe not everybody who had a device or whatever. So just another platform. Well, I reached out to my principal and said, you know, I'd love to have some PE lessons on there, share kind of some of the stuff that I'm doing. So not only are my kids at Parsley receiving that instructions, but I mean, it's going countywide. And we even have people, you know, out of state who have gotten the links and people out of state are coming in and viewing our lessons because, you know, we shared it on Facebook and stuff. So it's been kind of cool, you know, having that platform too. And, you know, that's where the inspiration for the whole Cribs cart <laughs> because I had everything set up, you know, recording those lessons for the county. Well, Chris, we certainly appreciate your being here with us today and sharing everything that you've been doing and all the hard work that you've put in for the children at Parsley Elementary School. I'm wondering, do you have any final thoughts or anything else you want to share with us today? I think I have the best job in the world, being able to, you know, work with so many people and change lives. And I'm, I'm still a kid, you know, in my eyes. So it's fun to get out here and Everything's crazy right now. Families are stressed because of work situations or the uncertainty of all this stuff, you know, just to provide it and make it stress-free. That's kind of been my goal is to provide an avenue that's not stressful, that's fun and engaging for everybody. Well, I appreciate that your personality, you know, that you infuse your work with all that joy that you have, but that it comes through even in these tough times. Definitely important for your kids. Yeah. Very important yeah, for those it, it kids. Is. I mean, it's just, there's not a whole lot of normal going on right now. So <laughs> just whatever little bit I can provide to them, I know it, it goes a long ways. Hey, this is Molly. I'm so excited you get to hear from my friend, Gretchen Parker, who is in New Hanover County Schools. I got to know Gretchen through the very connected North Carolina Library Twitter network, and also got to work with her when DPI rolled out the digital learning competencies. Not only is she extremely positive, she has some wonderful ideas. So I encourage you if you're on Twitter to follow her there, but also enjoy these few little tidbits and great ideas that she's gonna share in this upcoming story. All right, so Gretchen, will you start by introducing yourself? Tell us where you work and what other good information we need to know about you? Oh, well, I am library medium media specialist at Porter's Neck Elementary School in Wilmington, North Carolina. It is a brand new school, so I'm excited to have this opportunity to develop a community of readers in my new space. It's a K-5 school, and I'm just getting to know my students and my collection, so it's a a challenge, but I'm so excited to have it. And this year, are your students um, coming, you know, we're, we're at the start of the 2020-2021 school year, so are your kids coming to school? Is it a hybrid, or are you doing full remote right now? We are all remote right now. We will be going part-time at the beginning of October, but 
currently we are all remote. So it's been a challenge trying to get to know them when I can't see them in person. Absolutely. So I noticed you posted this activity on Twitter and that's why I reached out to you and you did a virtual book tasting. But for somebody who wouldn't know what a book tasting is, could you explain what that is? If you were setting it up in the library, I guess, what would be a book tasting? Well, first of all, I would deck myself out in my chef costume and don my worst. I have a horrible Italian accent. It gets a little bit of French accent in there. Yes. And then I basically spread out amongst the tables different types of books that I want to introduce my students to. I would let them taste it. No, we don't put it in our mouth, but we read just a little bit of it to see if we like the flavor of the book. When I do book tastings, I like to do genres so then students can develop their reader's identity. They can start to associate what they enjoy reading by what genre it is. And I think that helps them you know, one, a book tasting exposes them to different genres so they can experience different flavors and tastes, but it also lets them figure out which ones appeal to them most. And so just to paint a picture of what this would look like, usually there's like a tablecloth and there's a bunch oh, yeah. of books laid out on the table. Yeah, I have music playing in the back. And then um, usually there's like a paper plate or a placemat or whatever. And the books are set up and they roam from table to table and try out the books, basically. Sometimes there's goldfish or snacks, you know, unfortunately couldn't do that virtually, but I think the flavors still came out, if you know what I mean. Perfect. So you took something that's usually like a very tactile and active experience and you made it virtual. So how did you adapt this to be a virtual book tasting for your students? Well, I had several different things in mind when I decided to do it. One, I usually do it and it's great fun and I wanted my kids to have great fun. Two, I wanted them to experience the different genres because I have genrefied my library and I don't think that any library that they've been in has been genrefied. So I need them to get used to those flavors, those terms, in order for them to be able to find books when we are actually in the building. I needed to get to know them and what they enjoy reading. I also wanted to expose them to different resources where they can find books until they can start getting our books from our library. So I introduced them to several different digital resources. For my older kids, our public library has a access to North Carolina Digital Kids Library. So for the older ones, I showed them how to access that. For the younger kids, we used NCY's Owl, the e-books from EBSCO. I selected the books for them just so they could get used to it. Based on inventories from the week before, I knew they were really into dogs. So I had three different flavors of dog books, a fantasy dog book, a realistic fiction dog book, and then a nonfiction. And they selected their flavor from that. Basically, I still doned my outfit and my horrible accent and my background in the 
learning management system, whether Google Classroom for the older ones and Seesaw still had the tablecloth setting and tried to make it as authentic as I could. And they basically had a chance to sample these books and then share which of the flavors they liked best. It was big fun. And I'm excited because I can tell from their responses that I really do have a budding culture of readers. These guys are really excited about books and it's just going to be positive from here forward working with them because I know how excited they are about reading and books. That speaks volumes to your attitude towards starting a new school, learning new students and doing this all virtually in a time where there's a lot of questions about like, you know, handing out books and how can we reach readers? You know, I think that what you have done is said, you know, there's no excuse to still not find ways to reach them. And I love the positive spin that you put on this. Well, no, I have had plenty of challenges starting this new library. I just decided about a couple weeks ago that I was tired of hearing the 2020 joke. Like, I'll laugh at it, but I'm not using it anymore. I'm dropping it like it's hot. I'm moving forward and I'm going to make 2020 the best year possible. And it's totally reframed the way that I look. When something bad goes, I'm like, yeah, yeah, good try, but you're not knocking me down. We're going to keep going. But I'm excited because now that I've made this space of flavors and experiences, when we do go to curbside checkout, which is coming soon, I'm going to use a restaurant motif and what flavor are you going to get? And so we are just going to take this experience and move forward with it. When, so you mentioned that the students use Seesaw and they use Google Classroom. So how did you interact with them? Like I, I love that you use different ways that students can access books until you can physically get them using the NC Kids Digital Library, using NCY's Owl. So what was the interaction back? So what was, how did the students give you the feedback about what they liked about it and what flavors they, they enjoyed? For the younger kids, I gave them um, screenshots of the books that they tasted. They circled the one they liked best. And then the best part was they recorded their voice and told me what they liked and why they liked it. And I can learn so much from them when they explain why they do what they do. And now they're kind of used to me doing that. Like every assignment is like, okay, prove this book is science fiction. Now tell me why you said that, you know? And so I learned so much about them and what they've learned from them explaining to me why they do what they do. And their voices are precious. Like one parent, you could see the parent kind of pulling it from them. And another kid is just like, well, I picked it, you know, it just goes. And I was like, okay, I know where these two students are. Or I have another one who goes, I really don't know why I picked it. I'm like, okay, well, we'll learn more about, you know, books and what makes them have the flavor that they have. And then you'll be able to express it. Yeah. And it's so authentic, you know, that that's what readers do. Readers think about what do I like? What do I not like? And be able to communicate it. That's right. But hopefully as he gets used to me bugging him about it, he'll learn to tell Miss Parker something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, I, I just do. I think that this is such an authentic way because we think about these kids right now in elementary school who are learning to communicate with adults and with each other through a screen and whether it's video, whether it's text or whether it's audio. And I think that's very real for where we're headed. You know, like they are, we say they're global citizens, but yet, you know, so much is done with pencil on paper. That's important, but this is such a time to be developing the skill. 
this is our standards of speaking and listening. So um, they're definitely getting good practice with it. I love that you added that element of audio because I do think that we're, you know, just being, I'm not trying to be too general, but I think there's a lot of reliance right now on text still and on consuming. And this really does is a simple way for them to give feedback and to be a contributor. And that audio is just one more thing to practice their speaking, practice their listening. So, um, so I'm guessing that you've probably inspired some people, whether they're other librarians or classroom teachers to do their own virtual book tasting. So what advice, other than listening to what you just outlined, which I think is wonderful, and before we started recording, we talked about this. A lot of times you get ideas and go, ooh, I know how I want to remix that and make it work for my students. But what advice would you give educators who are looking to do their own virtual book tasting? Well, I guess the first thing is don't let the fact that it's virtual stop you from doing what you want to do. I mean, we are so blessed in that there's so much that you can do with technology. I haven't gone yet, but you can go into the whole video thing and then you can actually see them tasting. In fact, I had one student who was so excited about the flavors of books that she read the whole entire book to me. Now, took a little bit longer than, but I was so excited that she was excited to read. And so if I, if she hadn't have videoed it, I don't know that I would have seen that excitement. Think about what you are trying to accomplish and then find a way to get it done. There's a platform, there's a tech tool, there's something out there that will help make that happen. I think there's power in that. You know, I love that the focus of this is for you you know, yes, there's a purpose behind getting students to understand a genre, right? And to expose them to different kinds of stories. But ultimately, it's also about you connecting with your students and getting to know them. And and I just think that that's the most powerful part of all of this. Is there anything that we haven't talked about with the book tasting that you want to make sure to mention? Well, if you can add a little twist or something in it that makes it fun, then you're going to get that much more engagement from them. And it's well worth the effort that it took to do it. Absolutely. Like this week, I was doing science fiction with the kids and I brought out my Cosmo robot and I programmed him to talk to them. And I mean, just it only took a couple minutes, but it was just enough to you know, grab them and let them like, Ooh, I want to play with that. And like, yeah, well, when we come back to school, you'll be able to. So just yes. little things. It's the little things, but it really is the things that give them the motivation, you know, to, I, I go back to that idea of where you are learning their identity, you know, and that's something I talked about a lot when I was in library was reader identity and that your identity as a reader might be, I like graphic novels and I like things that distract me. Or I like to learn something through what I'm reading. And, you know, all these things that you've outlined really do help you as their teacher and as their librarian, but it also helps them, you know, it makes them feel a little more connected to a face and a screen that they've never met in real life, you know, that they go, well, that person really wants to, wants me to use stickers on my selfie. So they do know who I am. And then I love how you make that connection to, well, I saw that kid put a lot of stickers of stars and rockets, and they might be my science fiction reader, you know? Like, that's such an important thing to do. I saw so many of them. I think three quarters of our school must own dogs. And there was (laughs) like, I love dogs, I love dogs, I love dogs. So it was like easy, like, okay, we're going to read dog books because most of you have a dog. And they did. When they would tell me about the book they liked, they made a connection between dog in the story and the dog at their house or if they saw a nonfiction book with a real dog in it it looked just like my dog and 
So those connections are so important. Yeah. And I think it's a gateway. When you said, you know, you picked three dog books and one was a fantasy. A lot of the kids that might only go to an animal story with a dog on the cover now has maybe understood actually like fantasy where animals talk and it doesn't just have to be a dog. You know, I think that you using that as a gateway to understand and develop that identity even further is is wonderful. Well, Gretchen, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share about this great idea and how you're connecting with your kids, regardless of the situation, and that you're going to make this the best year ever. I can't wait to watch it happen. Yeah, I'm excited to see it happen, too, and growing these brand new readers that I have. So thanks for letting me share. I like nonfiction baby dogs because... I like the backs that we learned in it, and I might want to read more nonfiction um, books in the future. I like the nonfiction because it has a bunch of cute baby puppies, and it told me some real facts. Digger and Daisy, because even though they disagree and agree, they still love each other and are brother and sister. My favorite book was The Best Trick, a pet club story, because the dog just sat there and acted like a dog, and it was actually really funny. My favorite book was nonfiction. I liked it because I got to see cute pictures of baby dogs, and I got to learn true facts. I liked The Best Trick because it was um about dogs and like about a pet club because I love pets. We might be distanced, but we can still be social through the many channels available to us in this digital age. Moments of Inspiration launched with the idea of keeping us connected during these interesting times and telling stories from the classroom, whether they're remote, hybrid, or safely in person. After all, as Kate DiCamillo says, stories connect us. Thanks for listening, and please be on the lookout for our next episode coming soon. If you wish to contribute and share your story, please visit us at bit.ly forward slash capital I-L-C-M-O-I. The Moments of Inspiration podcast was written, recorded, and produced by Molly Holloman, Stacey Lovedahl, and Chris Benick. It is available on the following podcast platforms, Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and iHeartRadio, as well as through our website. The music in this episode was taken from YouTube Creator Studio and includes Rolling Heads by Unicorn Heads, Redwood by Kinksa, Moriera, Credit Jam by Chris Benick, So Long by Norma Rockwell, and Savannah Sunshine by Dan Hennig. We are so thankful that you've chosen to take the time to listen, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Please consider subscribing and leave us some positive reviews. Now come on, get your voice out there. Oh, moments of inspiration. Everybody's talking about it. Thank you. Thank you very much. 